0: So I have my phaser out, and sure enough, down the street, there's the Nausicaan we're after, running away. No pants on. (laughs) I move after him, only a trip, flat on my face. I shout, freeze, but the Nausicaan keeps
1: running. I I try to stand up, but my feet are caught in something, and then I realize I've tripped on his pants. (laughs) So anyway, after, my lieutenant pulls me aside and says, maybe security
0: isn't the best fit for (laughs) you.
1: Transfer complete.
0: Hello, and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and joining me on the bridge. This is Tyler Orton, finding my (laughs) Amzati. And we're here this week to tackle Star Trek family values. Now, Tyler, this was a topic you came up with. Do you want to explain it to the listeners? Uh,
1: Yeah, it's fascinating to me to see how close, how tight some of these Star Trek crews are versus um, how some of these other crews really <laughs> don't seem to care about each other uh, whatsoever. Um, so I think it would be fun for us to rank just how tight these folks are. Um, I, I kind of yeah, alluded to it last week uh, when we were uh, pitching this one. Um, th- there's you know, some crews where if somebody scrapes their knee, um, everybody will be there in sick bay to blow on the wound, make sure they're all better. Uh, there's other crews where, if you uh, say are torn apart by a paw wraith, um, you don't even get a funeral scene to yourself. <laughs> it's. Uh... <laughs> you know uh so i i think this will be fun for us to kind of rank we'll we'll start with like the the tightest crews and then go from there cuz i think it'll get funnier <laughs> as we give examples of how uh tight crews are versus how much crews don't seem to really care about each other um but cam i was thinking about you know family and, and what's familiar and what's more familiar than somebody's first name and how there's some people in star trek especially when you think about the human characters where It'd be so disconcerting to hear them addressed by their first name. Um, Cam, like, what would be the most disconcerting name to hear spoken out loud of, like, a main character's first name? You know, that it would just, it'd feel weird if somebody addressed them as such.
0: Um, I'm trying to think of, like, the weirdest one. I always just do find it, like, when people say Will, even, about Riker, I'm always like, that just doesn't sound right to me. But I, I, there has to be, like, a weirder example who are you thinking?
1: Uh, what about Sylvia?
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. What about Charles? <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's excellent as well. Yeah, yeah. Joseph. Ken? Yeah.
1: Who's Joseph? <laughs> I am racking my brain. Who is Joseph? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mabenga. It's uh, Joseph oh, Mabenga. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Who, who's Sylvia? <laughs> Sylvia is uh
0: uh who the hell is sylvia it's chilly <laughs>
1: oh, is it really i've totally yeah. forgotten that <laughs> isn't it weird that i referred to her as sylvia and you had no clue who i was talking about i was like i'm just
0: gonna let that one skate by and uh hopefully i'm not exposed to someone who doesn't know who that is until you turn yeah. it
1: back around on me Well, <laughs> right, you better get this one though who is charles oh tr- uh, trip tucker yeah um yeah Have we ever heard anybody actually refer to Scotty as Montgomery other than him Uh, introducing himself? Yeah,
0: they have said it on TOS a few times. Like, hi, Montgomery. Yeah, and they did say uh, Montgomery as well in the 2009 film. Yeah, but isn't it weird if somebody was like, hi, Montgomery? Yeah, well, it's a little bit like Leonard. How often do you hear Leonard versus Bones? Right. Yeah,
1: no, that that is a weird one.
0: Yeah, like, how many scenes are there of, like, Spock being like,
1: Leonard, Leonard? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not a thing that happens. Well, the only person that ever calls Chief O'Brien Miles seems to be Keiko. Like, have you ever heard, like, Kira go, hey, Miles, what's up? Uh,
0: Maybe in that episode where they got really close
1: (laughs) when they Uh, were, like, living
0: together. The one that got a little uncomfortable. Maybe in that episode, but outside of that, no, (laughs) not at all.
1: (laughs) That was such a weird (laughs) (laughs) C-plot. I, like, it's one of those, like, kind of cringe C-plots. You're like, okay. Yeah. I You didn't really need to do the C-plot. Like, it's, um, you know, but uh, whatever. Uh, swing and a
0: miss, maybe. I, I miss those days. Like, we don't get C-plots like that anymore on Star
1: Trek. Like, no, how true. much would you now welcome something that bizarre? I yeah, I would welcome it with open arms, you know. Like, everything now is just like boom, 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 uh, plot, plot, plot. I'm just like, ah, come on. I want, I want the the pregnant surrogate living with the O'Brien family, and um, <laughs> they're getting a little horny, like, sitting next to each other on the couch. <laughs> like, give that to me, guys. The
0: awkward tension that's just like, oh, you can just feel it coming through the screen.
1: <laughs> whew, whew, I, was, I was sweating there. I was like, you know, I had to fan myself, you know. When's the last time
0: we got anything like that on Star Trek in, like, a new series? Has there ever been something like it's obviously nothing that's a one-to-one comparison to that c-plot but like something that doesn't feel so plot driven and is a character sort of specific thing that's weird
1: the uh neuro pressure sessions that uh trip oh yeah to paul we're doing like, yeah, that was like, OK, Uh OK, sure. Still Berman era, though, not the Kurtzman era. Right.
0: Like, I feel mm-hmm. like once they went to Discovery and it got refined down, you just don't get that sort of thing as much.
1: Well, I mean, there is the uh, the whole subplot with the Borg Queen singing Pat Benatar uh, covers at a uh, gala yeah. in the body of Girati. Um, you know? That might
0: be it. That might be the best answer. Um. <laughs> what a weird show, man.
1: What a weird, weird show that was.
0: <laughs> Although we say that after previously talking about these, like, C-plots about, like, passion <laughs> between Miles and Kira. Like, that's
1: the pure golden Star Trek that I remember. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, why don't we kick it off then? Um, why don't you start, Cam, and then I'll give mine. and Maybe we can debate it, like... Maybe like I, some of these, I think you could sway me. Like I'm on the fence with my rankings for some of them. Others, I, I I'm a little bit more cemented. But why don't you kick it off, and uh, we'll go back and forth, and maybe we can uh kind of decide on a definitive list. Uh, um, but yeah, sir, who is the tightest family in Star Trek? I was
0: bouncing back and forth between a two. I think, though, number one, as much as I kind of don't want it to be number one, it would be more fun to, like, I don't know, poke fun at the show in some way or whatever. I think it might be TNG. Because when I really thought about it, I started doing character pairings in my head. And I could, like, think of, like, warm moments between, like, you know, um, Crusher and Worf, for example. Like, every kind of combo I could come up with, I could think of scenes that felt like human beings interacting in, like, a kind of whether it was friendship or from a family like way whereas like when i looked at other shows there were certain characters or pairings where you're like oh that's icy even jordy i can remember scenes of jordy with um you know with wharf with troy with crusher the one kind of outlier in this unit though is picard because he's a little bit aloof and it's not really until the final episode where he kind of takes his spot at the poker table, where it really does feel like that full family unit. But I feel like this group, as much as we often say TNG, they can be a little bit stiff, they might be the best example.
1: So this one was not close to being at my top interesting. Uh, here. So it's interesting that you, you bring that up. Um, they are still kind of like uh, the Gene Roddenberry supermen that uh, he kind of envisioned, where mm-hmm. they're meant to be cold and aloof that doesn't mean that they're not like good friends by the time we get to the end of the series but i also get a sense you know by the time we get to the end of the film series that it's a family that's kind of breaking apart you know Mm, um yeah star trek picard season three that's that's an entirely different animal they're not even in the main cast you know so i i can't count that you, you know when they get back together so i i have to take it as tng as a whole plus the film series and for me, I just didn't get the sense that they were, um, like, we know for a fact that the cast is the tightest cast, mm-hmm. uh, far and away. These are legit friends for the last, you know, four decades at this point. Um, but there there is a, a certain, like, kind of, not not coldness, but, like, not um, uber familiarity, I will go to the end of the world to fight for your life no matter what, Uh that I get in the sense of like family, like would mm-hmm. they all go on like a family vacation together on Risa? Like some of them would, you know, I could picture that. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting you're bringing up the pairings. What would be the um the pairing that probably has like the least potential to for people to, you know, say, oh yeah, yeah, they're they're total uh family members.
0: Probably Picard and Geordie. Okay. I think those are the two that I'm like. How many great moments with those two characters together are there? Obviously, first contact they spend. Actually, no, sorry, no, that's Riker and Geordi. No, I, I can't think of like a, a really strong kind of like human uh, moment between those two characters. What about uh Worf and Geordi? Um, there are scenes of them like hanging out in ten forward and things like that. Um, I can think of a couple examples. Or I guess playing poker as well. Yeah. yeah, and the poker as well. So, like, okay, there's enough there. It's funny because, like, TNG, Picard, you almost have to kind of semi-remove from the equation. A lot of it is sort of centered around Riker. And Riker is kind of the social hub and brings a lot of the characters together. And it's not until later on that Picard becomes a part of that. But because of that there's scenes of often Riker and one of the other characters in 10 forward together, and then maybe a third one, and they all kind of bounce off each other because of Riker. Like, I think he's the key to kind of keeping them together.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I'll let you have that one. Of course, we're doing these rankings here. I'm not, I'm not going to argue. Uh, let's, I'm not going to try to uh, persuade you. It's, it's another one. I'll go to um uh, number two on the list here, uh, which for me would have been my number one, Uh hmm. Star Trek discovery. And, the reason I put them at the very top, at least in my rankings here, is there is literally no other crew where you're going to your coworkers and literally literally saying the words, I love you. Um <laughs> I never heard anyone on the TNG crew say that to each other. And that's to me what really puts Discovery uh over the top, uh both figuratively and literally when it comes to like how we you know, define kind of familial groups. And it is, it, it even goes down to like the kind of uh, the the bridge crew that in most shows would not get much recognition and, and these folks are just kind of uh, you know, uh, they're not really credited in the main cast, but you have people like, uh, say, uh, you know, Awashikin or um, Detmer, you know, where, where people, Burnham's like, I love you to like these people, you know. And uh, remember like uh, uh, Saru was, was about to like die in an obel for Charon, and yeah, Burnham is breaking down it, absolutely in tears, like, uh, as this happens. But remember, everybody thought that uh, Jordy and Roe died in uh, the next phase, and they throw like a party with Riker playing trombone, and it's like yeah. <laughs> you, like, no tears at all. And I, that's <laughs> to me that actually signals why TNG would not be close to the top of my list as well not not that they were they were honoring geordi and roe but it, it, people were not broken up about their uh, supposed demise and what you get in discovery though is um it, it it's like unhealthy codependency <laughs> to a certain degree um would you agree with that statement? That part,
0: yes. It's interesting. I had Discovery actually right quite low because to me it felt like a simulation of people that like each other. Like inauthentic? <laughs> a- oh, yeah. There's so much of like, you are my best friend. And we've never had scenes of these characters where you actually feel like they're best friends. Or like the bridge crew all cheering for each other, but you're like... Like, what? Do these people hang out outside of, you know, the uh, missions and whatever? It doesn't seem like it. We don't spend that kind of time with them. I struggle with this. Although, like, the Burnham-Saru relationship, I actually think, does come across really well. Especially how it was, like, sibling rivalry that turned to something warmer. That feels like that might be the most organic relationship on the show that's jumping to mind. But when it comes to a lot of the supporting cast... I find Discovery gets difficult because so many of them just like leave the show (laughs) and or, you know, Tilly disappears for most of season four. Um, So I found this one actually something that I
1: didn't rank that high because of those various reasons. It's fascinating that you and I have very different um, definitions (laughs) of family (laughs) so far with how I rank TNG versus you and then how you rank Discovery versus me. I agree with you, like uh, how authentic Are these relationships? But what we are being told, and I Hmm. I am way more in the uh, show-don't-tell sort of line of thinking, but what we are being told is that these people can't live without each other. And um, there's literally no other crew where people say to their coworkers, they literally say, I love you. Like, Hmm. I'm not exaggerating. Like uh, That was in um, season, towards the end of season three, when they had um, the Orion villain take over the ship. Yeah, you know and it's just kind of like like I, I agree i don't feel it, it, it it's authentic but they are literally saying that and so that to me like if they do pass on think about the funeral that uh we got from uh arium you know where <laughs> <laughs> it's like babe bagpipes for like a uh a bit player who, who had like a yeah. cool voice and like a cool look but we didn't really know much about that character until the episode in which she she passed away yeah you know so um I just to me like Discovery would be my number one, but for now we'll we'll rank it number two unless you want to push against that and uh, get get rid of uh, that or or make an argument for a, another uh, cast to go in that uh, number two slot. Why don't we leave it as is
0: and we'll get to the end and decide if anything should be swapped around? How's that? Okay, okay. So
1: so far TNG number one, Discovery number two. Uh, what's your number three? Or what's the number three then? So my number 3 was actually lower decks
0: because of the core 4 feel like a family at this point like that's I think something that's pretty pounded into our heads at this point that this 4 is incredibly tight but then you also have Captain Freeman who literally is the parent to one of them and so when I look at that kind of 5 that feels to me like a real family unit especially like the the core four characters who are following um so that one I think Is more so, it's a little tough with lower decks because you obviously have a separation between the senior crew and the lower deckers. But when I look at lower decks, a show about
1: lower deckers, that four to me feels like a family. It doesn't seem as if, like, the senior crew hate those lower deckers. I actually take – they have a, quite a bit of investment mm-hmm. in uh, their careers as well. I'm not talking about just, you know, Freeman and Mariner, but uh, Ransom as well. Yep. And it does feel as if, um, you know, uh, the doctor is, is very invested, uh, so much so that she gets rid of Tendi and says, you should be in the science division. And uh, they never bring up her role in the science division ever again, <laughs> uh, or at least in that uh, season three arc that she had. Um. Yeah, I, I, honestly, Lower Dex is actually quite close to where you have it in, in my rankings as well, uh, for all the reasons that you stated there. Like, you do get the sense that they are very close, that uh, they'll always be close. We we don't know exactly what's going on with Tendi um, as we go into the next season. She's off with uh, her sister, serving back in the uh, the Orion Syndicate, or I guess with her Orion home. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but, but my sense is, like, uh, they'll still be tight, you know. Although, let me pose this to you. Uh how tight were they with um, with uh, Boimler when he went off and joined the Titan, you know? Like, That's true. Y- you got a sense that they, they weren't exactly, like, uh, exchanging tons of messages uh, via subspace at that point.
0: No, like, I wouldn't have put them this high in season two. It's where we are now in the show. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think of, like, that moment where it's, like, um, Boimler and Beckett, carving their names into the table next to Kirk and Spock. Like at that Mm -hmm. point, like it really kind of solidified how tight they were. And, uh, you know, you mentioned ransom, even like ransom and Mariner, it feels almost like a brother sister kind of squabbling dynamic at this point. Like it doesn't even feel like people that are antagonistic towards each other in any real way. So I do think like this show, despite being maybe like the, the snarkiest star Trek show is also in
1: some ways the warmest. I, I like how he said, brother sister at this point because when yes. the show started off there's some there's some sexual tension going on there and i was like oh uh brother sister cam huh, okay it was a real luke and leia thing <laughs> yeah no kidding um yeah i okay i, I i'm totally happy where uh, lower decks is i had them ranked number four so um i'll tell you what uh my ranking is uh for number four then uh, or the Ranking so far that we have is TNG number one, Discovery two, Lower Decks number three. Number four, uh, I have the original series. And kind of for the same reason you're getting to, uh, where we left off with them at the end. And I just can't help but think about the Undiscovered Country. Yeah. And how, you know, they have kind of one last mission to go. They get the gang back together. Even Sulu comes in at the end. And it really, like, it. that's such a it's stupid to say that it feels like an underrated like Star Trek film. I, I Not among fans, but I think more among kind of the, the more casual fans. It's just such a good movie and you feel how tight that crew is with each other and just how at ease they are with each other. And they'll do anything for each other, no matter what. And I, I, I don't know if I could have said that in the original run of the series, when it comes to say, you know, folks like Uhura and how tight she may have been with the crew or, you know, say, uh, Sulu, but by the end of the film series, you really do get that um, familial sense. I, I, and I think the um, the whole arc that takes us from the search of Spock through to um, uh, the the voyage home, I, I, I think that very much kind of solidifies that. Especially with a lot of stuff going on in the voyage home. With um, d- does it just help that they're all in kind of civilian clothing, like uh, <laughs> trying to trying to uh, take over the uh, the Enterprise? You know, I, I guess I was in the search for Spock. You know, um, but I don't know, it, it, it just, it, it does feel like a very tight crew to me. And I, I, I wanted to set that all up because when you get to the, the triumvirate there, the Spock, McCoy, and James, it, it, you know, maybe um uh, a bit of a dysfunctional family, but a family nonetheless. And you can just tell how tight those three are with each other. And I, I, I do want to give it to the rest of the crew by the end of the film series as well, that they do feel like a tight family unit by the end.
0: This one was actually a real struggle for me because, yes, the triumvirate, maybe, like, looms over all of Star Trek as, like, those three feel like family. But then I'm like, would Kirk risk his life for Chekhov? I don't know if he would. Chris Pine's Kirk would. Exactly. I actually think the Kelvin verse maybe has the tightest family unit out of that original series cast. Like, that one actually, I think, is communicated very well where everyone feels like they are on kind of equal ground with each other. Whereas when I look at the actual TOS show, I'm like... I don't know if, like, Sulu in Season 3, uh, if Kirk would be, like, risking his life the way he would for Spock in The Search for Spock.
1: Well, well, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, where the Lower Decks cast is by the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. And, like you said, you're using Season 3 as an example. I'll, I'll say, where do you think they are by the end of it? And um, the film series. And we have Sulu risking his life, you know, to come back and and help save the day in that battle over Kidmer, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I do believe, you know, if uh, Sulu was in trouble, <laughs> regardless of what um, William Shatner thinks of uh, George Takei, um, I do think that Kirk would come to save Sulu if, you know, roles were reversed by the end of all, all of this uh, film series, too. It is so,
0: like, complicated, huh, by the uh, Shatner factor. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that, like, several members of that cast did not care for that man. <laughs>
1: I, I to me it's so weird you know like i a actors are very insecure people and i think mm-hmm. from the stories you hear it seems as if shatner is a a little aloof and maybe not the most self-aware but also you can tell like a lot of his decision it, it, it sprung from like insecurities on his part and, and ego of course but i if i was like his coworker. I, I I just would shrug my shoulders. I'd be like, "Whatever, that's him." Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, if he's numero uno and my paycheck's smaller, uh, I don't know. Like I I guess I'm just getting a smaller paycheck, I should be thankful for what I'm getting at this point. Where where would I be without him? I guess is what I'd be saying, even if he is a bit of a jerk. It's also just the reality of
0: like 1960s television. Yeah. It's like Shatner and Nimoy are you know, <laughs> names at the top of the page. And then they add DeForest Kelly in season two also to the opening credits. But those are the three actors getting opening credit billing. Everyone else is supporting. So it's like not a shock that the three at the top are getting the lion's share of the material because that's the way TV really worked in the 60s. Uh, imagine if like the actor who played Commissioner Gordon on the 1966 (laughs) Batman, was, like, taking aim at Adam West and Burt Ward for taking lines away from him.
1: He wasn't championing me, like, in the um, salary negotiation process, you know? like like... Chief O'Hara was furious. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this show not about me? Why was it Chief O'Hara, like, back on that show, but it was Commissioner Gordon, like, for the other uh, iterations of uh, Batman?
0: Uh, no, well, it was Commissioner Gordon on the show, but Chief O'Hara was like his Irish cop
1: sidekick. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, it's been a while since I've uh watched that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I like to bring it back to Star Trek because just as uh Batman and Robin would uh, climb up the uh the buildings every day, we did get that mm. episode um you know Assignment Earth in which we saw um uh, Gary Seven climbing up the uh, the missile in much the same manner.
0: I so thought you were going to bring up Shatner climbing the mountain in uh, Star Trek 5. <laughs> That's where I thought you were
1: going. Well, remember, Cam, in his uh, memoir, he said that when he was up there, he was really scared. Yeah. 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 He didn't say where exactly he was. <laughs> he was a real Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> yeah. Ex- well, exactly. Exactly. Uh, he's no free solo. I'll just say that. oh uh, <laughs> Okay, so uh, at number four, we have uh, the original series. Cam, I, so this is where things I, I, I get... Okay, it's the mushy middle for me is where I think I'm more persuadable. I feel much more confident about what's mm. at the bottom of my list about uh, how tight <laughs> people are. But um, yeah. I'm in the mushy middle here, so I'm very curious what number five
0: is here. I have Prodigy uh, next. And I think like in one season of this show, they've done a very good job of making all of these young people feel like a cohesive, supportive group for each other. And then you also have this mother figure in Hollow Janeway. And I think like, you know, I was saying lower decks would have ranked lower for me if I'm jumping off season one or two. I think Prodigy is starting at an already very high level with the way this cast plays off each other and how supportive they are. And like, I believe they would like brave all sorts of dangers for each other this early in the series. So who knows, like, maybe by the end of Prodigy, if we were to do this episode, it would be my number one. But right now, I think
1: it ranks pretty high. Okay, so the thing, like, going against it for me on my list, I I didn't have it ranked this high, is they still barely know each other, you know? So they don't have, you know, 172 episodes plus four movies of time growing tighter and tighter. I'll um, also point out that, like, Gwyn was she's still kind of like like not an antagonist but at this point but um her closeness to the crew um still isn't quite there and she's like number two on the call sheet as well and i you know I, it's kind of that picard factor that you're talking about with tng it wasn't until the final episode yeah that he walks in to play poker with them um so i i i think what they it has going for it is hollow janeway Um, Mm -hmm. but Cam going into the next season, um, based on, you know, how things kind of ended up, uh, at the end of season one, um, that doesn't seem as if hollow Janeway is going to be a factor moving forward, but I could be wrong, you know? Um, but then like, I don't know, is, is Murph like Murph can't articulate feelings, um, at this point. So I don't know where Murph is at. And then zero is, is a Medusin. Do Medusins have feelings? like i don't know he seems
0: to okay or it seems to whatever i'm i'm not sure how they if they have genders at all but uh yeah like it seems to the way that they express themselves
1: okay okay like um i i still feel it. there's kind of like uh there there's many more adventures for them to go on yeah for for i feel like they're a, a, as tight as some of the other other crews i'm not saying that they're not like tight i'm just saying that they're i i can point to other crews or they they feel much tighter or they feel much more like a family by the time that they get to the end of the adventure. Uh I'm not going to fight you on this one too much. I'll, I'll uh, we'll put uh, prodigy which again not not close to being in the middle for me. It's more towards the bottom, but we'll, we'll put them at number 5. Okay. Um number 6 here. Um this is where I, I there's two series that I I kept going back and forth on. Um and maybe you can persuade me here. But I'm going to go with Strange New Worlds. Uh, the number of dinners that Captain cooks for his crew, mm-hmm. if that's not a family, I don't know what is, Cam. I will say that uh, they just seem coming right into it super tight. It feels like a crew that has been serving together for much longer than they actually have. It is surprising because uh, when the show starts off, they're actually like recruiting a lot more new people. Um, a lot of these folks uh, had served in the Klingon War. We know that Mabenga had you know, that Hernandez had as well. Uh, or, sorry, Ortegas had. Yeah. Um. And you're bringing on essentially the only, like, core folks that are uh, familiar with each other. It's Spock, number one, and Pike. You know, and that seems like, we always kind of envision that as kind of a, a, a triumvirate that would kind of compete with, um you know, Spock and Kirk and Dr. McCoy. But I've been very impressed by the... Uh, The the standard by which this is such an ensemble cast, and they're giving a lot of time Mm -hmm. to a lot of these characters. Also, just the hangout scenes. Uh, I, I think back to the musical episode in which, you know... They're hanging out in the immaculate giant lounge that uh, existed when Pike was captain, but clearly Captain Kirk got rid of (laughs) this amazing, amazing, like, lounge that existed on the Enterprise at one point. Just think of that, and then cut to the
0: bare bones (laughs) theater set from Conscience of a King.
1: (laughs) Where they're eating cubes. (laughs) That
0: too, yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: So I don't know. Like to me, it just the strange new worlds folks. They they seem tight, but they in a more authentic way than I think you were getting at with regards to uh, discovery. Like I agree with you. Like how authentic is it in discovery? Probably not. But the problem is, is it, it, we're told again and again. um Yeah. I love you. I love you. And we're also it. It seems like unhealthily like codependent in discovery. Yeah. We have husbands adopting twenty five year old children you know i'm like okay i guess that's like yeah familial there but uh strange new worlds feels a little bit more authentic than that um but i i still have it kind of in the middle here and i I think what's holding it back though is we've only had like 20 adventures with this crew and i think there's more to go i i hope we can get five seasons out of the show i really do and i i think it'd be great if um i don't know it, it, it would stack up even higher on the list i think by the time we get to the end of the series
0: I think we also need to see a little more of Una with some of these characters, because she's been the one who seems to have gotten the least amount of kind of screen time of your main title cast, and uh, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but I-, I feel like when I look at the dynamics of a lot of the other characters, I instantly recall moments of them together hanging out, whereas with Una, it's a little more her and Pike, or her and Laon, and not as much mingling with the rest. I'd like to see her and Spock um, mingling more. I think that would be a fun dynamic. We had the turbo lift uh, short track, which did give us something, but there's not a lot on the actual show yet. Yeah, it was yeah. her telling Spock to hide how weird he is. You know, like uh, you can be weird yes. but hide it. Yeah, and then like I wouldn't say people on on Strange New Worlds really hide how weird they are. No,
1: <laughs> they're singing songs and, uh, and <laughs> Klingon K-pop.
0: You know. Yeah or like playing pranks on each other where Ahura shows up in the
1: like dress uniform and Pike's like, "Haha, that old prank." What a prank that is, Cam. Oof. <laughs> Ooh, it's like, you know, um sleeping with uh and then dipping like the hand in like uh warm uh water uh to make them pee. <laughs> is
0: that considered like edgy pranks in the world of Star Trek, which is notoriously square? It's pretty much like toothpaste on a toilet seat, Cam. That sounds a little too daring, though. Yeah, that's I, true. I
1: don't know if they would do that one. Do they even have toilet seats in uh, Strange New Worlds? Uh, I hmm. I think the first glimpses of toilets we've ever seen in Star Trek. I think those were in Discovery. Yeah. And the only mention of a bathroom up to that, the only time that the word bathroom was ever said in Star Trek was in the episode of Deep Space Nine: Explorers, where Jake was looking around the ship and he kind of gazes uh off sets and he's like is that the bathroom and then like other than that star Trek has been very hands-off when it comes to the bathrooms i have to imagine they do use the three seashells (laughs) thank you uh all those demolition man (laughs) fans out there are, are cracking up right now cameron gold gold i waited this many episodes but i finally got a reference in there how great is it that uh, i know you well enough that you would make that three seashells joke and i and the fact that i even get that three seashells joke man i uh, okay cam you and i are family you and i are family that's right that's right by the way cam and, with and all dysfunctional. The dis- <laughs> dysfunctional with all the um discovery people constantly telling their coworkers, i love you how often do you say that mm. to your friends or your coworkers? I don't think I've ever said that to my family. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I don't think so. <laughs> You've never said I
0: love you to my to your family? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> it's not jumping to mine. Okay. Well. It's it's not a common thing, I'll say that. Okay. Okay. The
1: Smiths are an aloof bunch. Well, maybe that's why our rankings of uh, family <laughs> ties are just so like way off base between you and me.
0: I'm watching data on T and G and I'm like, that is relatable to me, as family. <laughs> is your sister lore to you?
1: <laughs> yeah. sometimes yes okay <laughs> um i don't know what what are what are your thoughts on uh like was strange new worlds kind of in this mushy middle for you or did you have them further down because maybe you're hoping more uh for more adventures before you would kind of be comfortable uh ranking them
0: this was actually when i look at the ranking we have so far other than me having tng at number one uh, this is the only one that matches up with my number for my original ranking at number six. Interesting. So yes, this fell exactly right in that point uh, where it, it's like you said, it's almost like too soon to say because like by the time we get to uh, to the end of this show, are we like holding this up as one of the all time tightest crews and the one that feels the most like family? Maybe, but where we sit now, yeah, it kind of falls into that. Hmm. This crew seems very tight, but there's still a few characters who don't quite mesh as well and give you that overall vibe. Like Pelia, for example. Where is my like crew hanging out with Pelia
1: energy? Um, I'm okay with that. I don't need to see more <laughs> Pelia. Uh, but I'll say this, I think Pike far and away has the most paternal vibes out of any of the uh men leaders of the shows, though. Um There's, like, another uh, woman leader that I think we can talk about maybe pretty soon Mm -hmm. who I think has the most maternal vibes going on. But I don't think there's any competition when it comes to the paternal vibes. It's Pike all the way, which I would never have thought of having watched The Cage um, (laughs) way back when uh, awaiting uh, the the spinoff 55 years later. (laughs) You don't get the vibes
0: from uh, Jeffrey Hunter that he would be like the dad running the barbecue for the crew. No, I was just thinking though, like, is the Anson Mount Pike like the best kind of gatherer of people? Out of any of the Star Trek shows, in terms of like a social environment, kind of a warm family social environment, Janeway, I'm sure we'll talk about. You know, we talked about Holo Janeway already, but like that's a character that is like a maternal figure. But I don't know that has that she has that sort of energy that Pike has, and I don't know who else really does. Cisco's uh, dinners, sure, can, you know they do happen, but sometimes they can be a little, a little, I don't know,
1: chilly, dull.
0: Yeah, you know. yeah.
1: Um, I'll also point this out. I think Pikes had more dinners over 20 episodes than Cisco had over 170 episodes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like Cisco feels like a boss who's very good at bringing people together, but I feel like Pike
1: is incredibly warm with his crew. Cam. Cam. Mm. Uh, I think you're forgetting the greatest getter togetherer of all, <laughs> uh, Cork. Well, that's quite true. Yeah. Quite true. Yeah. Um Okay, okay. Um so what's next? Uh what what's number seven on the list here, Cam? I think I'm gonna slot Voyager in here. Yeah, that's and where I And this is
0: one yeah, this is one I think some people would put up at like number one or two. Yeah. Because it's the Janeway factor. It's Kate mulgrew is so powerful on the show as this mother figure, this dead mother to this crew, and you really get the vibe, brings them all together for this journey home. But when I start to break it down into the bits and pieces of this crew as an actually tight family unit, it seems like there's more pairs. I don't know that I would say the overall crew seems as tight as I think even the show would like us to think they are. Like, when you get the sense of, you know, them arriving home and flashing forward, say, 10 years down the road, like, is Chakotay hanging
1: out with, like, Tom Paris? I don't think so. I I think Janeway is the hub of the wheel. Yeah. And I would say, I would argue she has tight relationships with everybody in the cast Mm -hmm. there. Um, But when you get down to it, like how many Tom and Tuvok moments were there, you know? Yeah. Like it's kind of, you know, uh, we were talking about the familial uh, in terms of names. Um, I think Voyager actually does it best, Uh, you know. It it's not weird if you hear somebody refer to Paris as Tom, or Kim as Harry, or uh Chicote as Chicote, you know? Like I I think that's a, is a series that uh, has a best track record when it comes to familial names. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true, yeah. And I
0: don't know, like is there any pairs that like stand out to you as like that detract from the show's overall family vibe. Obviously like the um Seven and Balana relationship is uh, t- touch and go. Um but there's like quite a few like that on this on this
1: series. Like uh well what do you make of the Neelix and Tuvok like dynamic there? And like Tuvok's not a fan, but no lo and behold they become one bean. Known as uh, Tubics <laughs> for one episode. Yeah. So I think after that, you'd, you'd have to call them family. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, what, like a detracting, I mean, you kick it off. Remember, like, Bellana kept calling um, uh, Kim Starfleet in, like, season one? Yeah. Um, but by the end of it, the, the thing is, they, they did Balana so dirty throughout the run of that series. She just kind of, they're just like, yeah, she's down in engineering. Yeah, you know, everybody else is on the bridge. Yeah, fridge. that's true. You know, I like I, that's a problem. But at least like she's got the Tom connection, and then Tom has the Harry connection. Uh, Harry's mm-hmm. got the Janeway connection. Who's got the Seven connection? Who's then connected to the Doctor? You know, and the, mm-hmm. I, you you can you can kind of do like a worm sort of like diagram of of how they are connected. But I I I think like I said before, you know, like Janeway's the 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 hub of the wheel there.
0: Like, do you see like Tom Paris hanging out with like Seven? in the future or hanging out with neelix um
1: i I don't i see tom paris awkwardly waving at um seven (laughs) in a tinker tanner uh dr spy um well that's true Yeah. yeah yeah
0: you'd think that of all of the shows this would be the one that would feel like the closest family given the type of journey they were on over the course of their series but i just don't know if they get there yeah like it doesn't feel like as cohesive as when you get to like i don't know if i'd say star trek nemesis as much but when you look at some of the other tng movies like that cast really does feel like a family
1: like insurrection for example yeah absolutely um they're talking about their body parts um (laughs) now that i can relate to in my family (laughs) dinner yeah you don't say i love you but you talk about your body parts (laughs) Um, and wait a minute—you're bringing up the whole like brotherly, sisterly dynamic between uh, Mariner and Ransom in uh, early season one as well. So uh, yeah, okay. Now <laughs> um, yeah, the Voyager thing here's here's why people—I uh, I can understand why people maybe rank it number one or two, like fans of the show. It's because of the Janeway factor, and you mentioned that at the top. But beyond that, I think um, mm-hmm. you, you're going to have a bit of a a, a a tougher problem, like when you you talk about uh, what Chakotay's. Relationship was like with the doctor. Like, were they really tight? Yeah. Were Were they hanging out ever? Well, also, okay. Uh, Janeway brings this crew together,
0: but uh, Chakotay is kind of like, you know, kind of like the father of the crew in a way, being
1: the second in command. Do you see him bringing these people together? No, I. I wish we had like more episodes with just like Chakotay in command. You know, mm-hmm. like like for extended periods, not just sitting on the bridge, you know, talking on a view screen where Janeway's being held captive or something like that. You know, like, I I think it would have just, you know, like, Riker got so many of those moments. I think it would have brought so much more out of his character to see him be kind of a, a, a real leader of the crew.
0: I don't know why they didn't Uh, I mean, they had a lot of episodes. You can't say they didn't have time. This was not a season like Strange New Worlds or something like that, which does a better job juggling its
1: characters. I don't think Robert Beltran uh, ingratiated himself to the writers, um, (laughs) just from the stories you hear. So I think that's probably why they did not. Most likely. Most
0: likely. But it doesn't really make sense to me. I, I get it if it's like a personal thing for sure. But like... It doesn't benefit your show to, like, have your, uh, you know, second-in-command just, like, twiddling around with a, uh, you know, panel on his chair the whole time. Like, your show is actually suffering because one of the primary characters
1: is not doing anything. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Cam. Um, this is where I feel a lot more confident. Uh, again, I I I feel like I'm out of the mushy middle. Um, number eight here. I'm gonna go with Deep Space Nine. You know, um... It was just interesting. We've talked about it before when we were going through the uh, the arc, that three-episode arc that kicked off Season 2 of Deep Space Nine, where the characters kept telling each other, you know what? This feels like home, and this feels like family. And it just felt weird because you know how things were by the end in that, like, it wasn't a super tight crew. It was very much a tight working relationship, but it was mm-hmm. more, and we've talked about it, it's more people kind of pairing off and having their own family units that they've created on this very large station, whether it's um, Odo and Kira, or Worf and Jedzia, you know, Jake, Cassidy, and Ben, for example. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, Miles had his own family, but, um, you know, he's very tight with Julian, who was then very tight with Ezri. you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, you know, Cork had his uh, brother and his nephew, you know. Uh, Nog had Jake, you know, it, 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 you can kind of do that kind of like worm diagram that I was talking about with regards to like uh, Janeway kind of being at the center. But Kim, who is at the center of this? Like, I, I don't think anybody quite is. Like, like uh, I think Cisco's a really fascinating character, but I don't think he's kind yep. of like the uh, the hub the way that maybe Janeway or, or, or Pike would be uh, for their crews. In some ways, Cisco operates a little bit like
0: Picard where a lot of the time he's kind of in his own little world. Uh, And that does often involve Jake or Cassidy. Uh, And you see a lot of scenes at Quarks where it's the other characters hanging out in groups. And Cisco's removed from all of that. So he's more like the business side of the series. Um, And his off hours are his own. They are not spending a lot of time with the crew. Look at how they even had to like you know, dra- uh, drag him into the um, casino heist mission. And obviously he had uh, a lot of reasons for that, yeah, but uh, fair nonetheless, like that would be in a different series. Of course, like Pike would be jumping in to help. He'd be like, this sounds like a blast. Um, whereas like Cisco, it was like, uh, that's their little thing to do, not mine.
1: It's not to say that this is a cold crew. I think we go far deeper into the personal lives of this crew than in any of the other series as well. Yeah. It's just that they're not meant to be like, like Cam, who like I'm much closer with my family than I am with my coworkers. Mm. I interact with my coworkers much more than my family. Um but I don't think there's anything wrong that I don't consider my my coworkers to be a family. You know, and I think that's very much the Deep Space Nine approach there as well. Yeah, you're saying you don't have a lot of barbecues with your uh coworkers? Uh, I've had, uh, if I'm thinking about, we've had one, uh, I, I've, been at the, I've been at the same company for 10 years and there's been one barbecue that I've attended.
0: I've actually never had a barbecue with coworkers, but we do go
1: out to dinner from time to time. Uh do you want a funny, awkward story? Please. Uh, this is probably mostly for listeners. I think maybe you've heard this one before cam, but, um, so yeah, working at a, uh, a news outlets, um, you know, there, there's a pretty like, a uh, uh, thick divide between editorial and sales. We, we just, don't really interact with each other because we don't, we don't ever want to feel as if uh, sales could have any sort of influence on the editorial decisions and just keep it separate, you know, be friendly. But um, so uh, I walk into the uh, the kitchen one day to, uh, you know, uh, heat up my lunch and uh, sit down at the table and, uh, you know, enjoy my lunch where uh, just as I'm walking in, um, all the people from sales and administration is singing "Happy Birthday" to uh, <laughs> one Deborah who's just turned fifty. And not one single person from editorial was invited to this little mini birthday party inside <laughs> inside the lunchroom. And so all I had to do is like walk over to the fridge. Everybody awkwardly looked at me. I'm sure they're wondering if I was going to stick around. Um, I did not. I took my lunch and I ate it cold <laughs> at my desk because I, I, I could not even stand there and, and heat it up in the microwave. It was the most awkward thing at all. So that, that's how close I am to my coworkers. You didn't try and steal a piece of cake? Ah, it just would have looked, it, talking about inauthenticity, it would have been like, what the F is Tyler doing here celebrating Deborah's birthday? <laughs> like, really? No.
0: You need to take the piece that has her name on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, Cam, number nine. I, I, I'm feeling pretty sure about where I want the last couple here. Like, we, we've got ten. Yeah, I feel very confident about nine and ten, but I I, I wonder if you and I disagree. What, what's your number nine?
0: My number nine is Enterprise. Um, yeah, Enterprise is a tough one because I think uh, the triumvirate. Uh, pretty tight you know you see like very close moments between obviously Tripp and to but also um, <laughs> archer <laughs> archer and Tapal as well
1: um, i'm sorry cam that hug that to and archer had in the final episode say yeah. what you will about a, a terrible series finale that hug was like it, it uh it meant so much to me it really did have an emotional impact as i watched those two embrace it did and so like when i look at those
0: three I can see the family element there, but what about the other characters, but? Tyler?
1: <laughs> what about the other characters? <laughs> There's nothing. There's just absolutely nothing there. You know, like, I know, like, we saw, like, um, say, Reed and um, Mayweather hang out on Riza that one time. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know. They- it-, it just looked like two guys trying to, you know, hook up with, like, chicks on the weekend or something like that, you know? Um What's Hoshi going on? What's what she got going on? I I guess she's closest to Phlox. Would, would that be accurate to say? Well,
0: the way the series starts, it, you get the sense she's close with Archer, but I wouldn't say that sustains the run of the series. So, yeah, I think you're right. It is Phlox.
1: Yeah. And it's just... And, okay, outside of that triumvirate, like, who is... Is Archer close to any of these people? Like, it doesn't really seem as if he cares about any of them other than, like, Trip and Paul by the end of it. And even
0: then... If, you know, they get back and, you know, Trip doesn't die by space pirates, how close do you think Archer is with them? I think he keeps in contact with Paul, but outside of that, I don't think anyone.
1: Yeah, you know, like, I think it's just very much like a working relationship. I think he would happily recruit Mayweather mm-hmm. for his next mission if he needed a good pilot. But I, I don't think Mayweather is going to be the, the godfather of any Archer children.
0: No, and Malcolm Reed, I mean, who was he close with? I mean, he did hang out with trip um but
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i it just it it, it is uh slim pickens when when it comes to like any sort of familial units outside of that triumvirate there,
0: yeah, and even then, like I don't know that I would say that Archer and um. Trip are really that much like family. Even I don't. They're kind of broy, you know. They are. They are. And I guess like Archer does have kind of the stern father figure stuff at times. When I think of like that episode Cogenitor, when he's like giving Trip uh, hell for his decisions in that episode, so I can kind of see that side of Archer coming out as well. But it's not something that I really. Th- when I think about the series of Enterprise. And the various storylines that mean a lot to me in the relationships, I don't know that I sit there and think about them as this like warm family unit. Yeah, uh,
1: Cam, I feel very confident in the number ten pick here, <laughs> um, Star Trek Picard. Yeah. Um, we we we've been talking about how close people feel. Um, dude, does this crew hate each other? Like, it's just like it is so bizarre how little the writers seem to care about developing like real relationships and even relationships in which it seemed as if people cared to be about each other uh, think about like narik in season one he was like the toxic boyfriend towards um uh why do i keep forgetting her name now soji cam uh soji yeah you know and, and it's it just and then they just write him off and then guess what you know wait like, wait
0: they, did, they didn't write him off <laughs> They forgot to write him off, but he disappeared. They they forgot to yeah. write him off.
1: Yeah, he just disappears. He literally disappears, never to be acknowledged again. And um, they don't even like give like a a half sentence explanation, one off the cuff sort of deal, midway through season two. Like, oh, remember that narc guy ended up in jail or something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then Rios, he hates this crew so much, he stays behind in the in the 21st century. Yeah. You know, it's just like. Okay. I think the only effort that they made was with Rafi calling Picard JL. Yeah. Like okay. Um we also had like uh Brent Spiner was part of the main cast in season 2. Uh he was a guest star in mm-hmm. season 3, but he, but like he was an antagonist. Yeah. In season 2. Um and he seemed quite antagonistic to his own uh genetically created daughter Corey as well. Um you know, I I just like Gerardi uh, and Rios uh, had sex. Um, you know, uh, Seven and Raffi had sex. Uh, didn't seem as if these were actual real, like, healthy relationships, though. You know, I, I I didn't get the sense that they cared about each other that much. I guess you can point to, like, Raffi and Elnor, but I don't know. That kind of came out of nowhere, and it's just written very clumsily. Um, I, I can't, like. And also, Picard seems to hate Elnor. He keeps abandoning him throughout <laughs> yeah. the run of the entire show you know multiple times um to the point he Elnor's dead because of Picard you know like <laughs> i don't know it, this it seems like the most antagonistic crew out of
0: anything we've seen in star trek who in that crew has a close bond with soji
1: uh i guess the closest would have to be picard yeah um you know but she's written out of the series, he was closer with Dodge.
0: I feel like his main relationship was with Dodge. yeah, you're right, you know, you're right. in terms of like Android individuals. Uh, Soji, he's like really mean to her,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's really mean to her in like from like he meet he meets her, I think, for the first time in episode seven. yeah, he's mean to her in episode eight. So then they have episodes nine and ten together. And then she's written out of the series in season two, episode one. We never see her again. You know, we, we have the actress comes back playing a different character, uh. but we never see her again. And she's also
0: barely with Picard in 9 and 10 because Picard's off with Jurati up in a spaceship dying, and then she's part of that mission to deal with the androids. So Picard and her are not spending a lot of time together there. Uh, yeah, and I also feel like at least a chunk of episode nine she's just with like the androids learning about who she is yeah so i would say her and picard are basically just a little bit less than pen pals
1: <laughs> they're they're like more like a uh, smoke signal pals right
0: <laughs> or taking it back to the uh older days of the internet like they were accidental icq contacts
1: <laughs> sure yeah you know uh asl yeah um <laughs> Okay, so let's jump forward to, like, the Season 3 cast. We're talking about the crew, though. Yeah. You know, and, and like, it, it's... The, the TNG folks were popping up, but they were guest stars, and they, they weren't part of the crew. We're, we're talking about Seven, Raffi, uh, Jack Crusher was in the main cast. Um, I guess Picard, out of everybody on the series, he's closest w- with Jack by the end of it all. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 Um, Is he close with Seven at all? No. And she was in all three seasons. That was a complaint I
0: had maybe during the season two coverage we did. I don't remember, but I was saying like, they had like that really good scene together when she first appeared on the show in season one. Yeah. But then after that, they never really spent much time together at all. She would be involved in missions that they were you know, all working together on, but you never really had any... Significant scenes of her with Picard exchanging
1: any sort of meaningful dialogue if you had two of the most iconic Star Trek characters on screen together and you were a writer, wouldn't you try to find ways to like get this going like like i there just wasn't anything interesting at all
0: no, no like in season two, she was paired up with Raffi for pretty much the entire season and and it was
1: terrible to watch there like it is a like a toxic relationship,
0: you know. And then season three, um, no, she doesn't really
1: deal with Picard much at all there either. I don't know, man. This, this is just, like, like I, I, I think the leap from number nine, Enterprise, to number 10, Picard, I think it's a huge—I I think Picard should be, like, ranked number, like, 50, like, just when you think of, like, kind of the gap. Between those two, it is so weird. Like, I mean, we both know. I, I mean, season three, we can both say say it was our, our favorite favorite uh, out of all the seasons. But the writing on the show is just so monstrously like out of step with what you're supposed to do in in terms of just normal television writing, where where you get to spend you have that luxury of spending a lot of time with people, and you don't get the sense that these characters really spent time um embracing each other at all. It's just more kind of plot driven stuff with people acting like jerks all the time
0: well you also spend in season two way more time with Picard and young Guinan and also Picard and uh the supervisor or whatever the you know the the, uh oh yeah 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 Laras's uh or Laris's doppelganger was it Talin or something no that Talin is the character on Lower Decks it was something along
1: those lines though was her name Laris and like or was that the Romulan Laris is the Romulan name Okay. Yeah. Uh, th- that's how much of an impact season two had on this guy. We we're like, uh, what's her name? Yeah, I feel like Picard
0: was about as close with some of these characters as he was with the FBI agent who wandered in for that one
1: episode. <laughs> who Who is the closest like pairing? By the time we get to the end of the series, is it Jack and 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 Picard? I
0: guess so, but it took a long time to get there in that season. I know. the
1: The fact that you have to say I guess so that that's not. Good news for that show, like that like I don't know, I can't. <laughs> like um, I don't know no, not, not that we're doing like ranking the series, but is Star Trek Picard as a whole the most poorly written Star Trek series, oh yeah, hands down, not even clo- there's nothing yeah. close, nothing even remotely close <laughs> well, discovery you you might make an argument for That's discovery true. at least when you go to the last like seasons three and four, I just can't wrap my head around some of that, actually, no, I can wrap my head around. Seasons 3 and 4 of Discovery, I think our complaint was that it was just incredibly dull and boring. Yeah. But I can kind of wrap my head around basic storytelling they are trying to get across. I can't wrap my head around what they are trying to do in seasons 1 and 2 of Picard, where it's just it was just, like, flatlining writing all
0: the way. And I can also, like, track the progress of Discovery season to season and understand the logic of where the story has gone. Yeah. Whereas, like, with Picard, when you actually... Look like season three is significantly better than the other two seasons of Picard, yeah, by a lot. But when you look at us as a three season show, um it is in no way unified whatsoever. It is like three individual seasons that have been hammered together
1: they well, we know that seasons one and two um look, stuff happens, but they were both written on the fly. They're just they had to make it up as they went along with yeah. the scripts and everything. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. Um, The other big part is there is different showrunners in every single season. Um, The best television that's on right now, it's all auteur driven. It is a single showrunner slash creator who has a singular vision about what he wants to do with these characters. There is no vision behind Picard whatsoever. And that that shows when we're talking about like family units and whether this is a tight crew at, at all. It just doesn't seem as if much thought was put into these characters.
0: No, no, next to none. Uh, Which is really weird because if you're going to make a follow-up to TNG, uh, what people love the most about TNG is that core dynamic between the cast. And you would think that's kind of something you would start with really from the get-go with the idea of bringing together these kind of broken individuals, which is kind of what Picard is, that you would be wanting to create a core group of people that the audience is invested in, but they just gave up on that pretty quickly.
1: So I kind of thought that going into like, then, like, season two, it would have been kind of th- that misfit crew, you know, it would have been, like, Rios, Seven, Raffi, Gerardi, Picard, and Soji, I guess, like, six of them, like, on La Serena, doing wacky adventures, and I think how naive I would have been, because it just, would that not have been super convoluted, in like, why would those six people have stuck around together, Yeah, like, on La Serena? It, it would have made, like, absolutely no sense whatsoever. So, I, like it just seemed as if there's like you could tell it like, okay so we're gonna do three seasons but th- there's just no vision for how they'd actually make three seasons happen um lo and behold you get covid and they had to rewrite all of season two because they wanted more outdoor scenes so that um they could accommodate uh like kind of the, the health restrictions going on there and so they had to completely like throw in the garbage their plans for season two and do this time travel thing and it's just like, I don't know, man. This is just, it was bad timing, but just also, it wasn't like it was inspiration striking them when faced with adversity. And I don't know. it. it this is a weird family unit. It's the worst family unit, according to our rankings. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So, Cam, why don't I go through them all again? Yeah. Um Number one, TNG. Number two, Discovery. Number three, Lower Decks. Number four, the original series. Number five, Prodigy. Number six, Strange New Worlds. Number seven, Voyager. Number eight, Deep Space Nine. Number nine, Enterprise. Number 10, Picard. Um, The only one that uh, kind of like bugs me is is Prodigy at number five. Mm. I would have, say, Strange New Worlds or Voyager above Prodigy just because they have kind of the, uh, they've got the Janeway and the Pike factor. You know, Prodigy has Hollow Janeway, but I don't think that quite compares over 20 episodes Hollow Janeway versus, you know, um, well, 20 episodes of Pike or, you know, 170 episodes of the real Janeway.
0: Well, why don't we flip Prodigy and Strange New Worlds then? Because I think just the discussion we had about Pike as being such a key character in bringing people together, we don't have that as much on Prodigy. So I think it makes more sense to bump Strange New Worlds up a spot and Prodigy down.
1: Okay, so then uh, officially we can say that um, the ranking is uh, Strange New Worlds at number five and Prodigy at number six there. And then from there, it goes, you know, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, and Picard, which might seem sacrilege when we have, you know, Voyager, DS9, and Enterprise, you know, below, you know, a lot of the Kurtzman era stuff. Um, we're not talking about the quality of the shows. We're talking about, like, how they're, how the crews are written... As tight family units, and it's it's just interesting how the dynamics are, are are very different among all the crews. Um, I think Star Trek's done an amazing job over the years, like catching lightning in a bottle when it comes to casting mm-hmm. and developing like interesting characters. They have an incredible track record at doing this. And it doesn't mean that everybody is supposed to be a family by the end of it all,
0: especially the Picard season uh, two cast. <laughs> okay so i think on that note our assignment is complete if you enjoyed listening to this podcast we want to hear from you jump on over to the facebook page at facebook.com slash subspace pod and you can leave reviews for us also wherever you get your podcasts those are much appreciated tyler what are we doing next week
1: cam we are coming back with one of our star trek classic episode reviews it is time to do enterprise and we'll be returning to twilight uh one of my, we're talking about family units um uh the archer and uh to stuff here is uh fantastic i will say that in advance
0: yeah this is a uh key episode in how to write two characters in a relationship uh so uh <laughs> as opposed to some of the other ones we talked about this week so i'm looking forward to talking about that one and I never get tired of rewatching Twilight. It's fantastic, and I'm talking about the films, of course, not the episode. Uh, oh. <laughs> this will be the first time I ever rewatched this
1: one. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, but I'll, I'll say this: <laughs> even if you're not like, even if Enterprise is not your favorite series, give this episode a watch. Like you'll like it. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a generally like it's a good standalone episode, and um, it, it, it's it's how you write characters, and it, it's how. You, you get invested in characters. So, uh, yeah, give this one a watch, even if you're on the fence about Enterprise. Definitely. Okay, you can, of
0: course, find us on the Twitter. I'm at Cam. V as in very chilly Smith family dinner. Smith.
1: <laughs> you can find me at Reportin. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. N as in uh nark's Valentine's Day card. Must have sucked.
0: <laughs> okay, so until next time, the arena is closed. Who the hell is Sylvia?